This morning we'll be in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 this morning. Wednesday night, we are going through the book of Acts. So, <laughs> for, the, for the next 20-something weeks. <laughs> the book of Acts. And so uh, we, we do about a chapter a week, and, and we discuss it, and, and, and kind of, maybe I preach a little bit, it just kind of depends on, on, on what happens that night. And, and uh, so I want to invite you to Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we have a good time on, on Wednesday nights. Um, so I want to invite you to that. And then uh, I was going to be preaching through Luke uh, for the next couple of Sundays, um, because I, the, the hope is, is that we can go through the progression of Jesus' ministry all the way up until Easter, and, and somehow everything is supposed to line up perfectly so that in Scripture we'll, we'll end. We won't end, but somewhere in Scripture there, we, will, we will find the, the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. So I was going to go through the book of Luke, and I got to reading the book uh, through the the portion in Luke, and then went to the portion in Matthew, and there's also a portion of this in in Mark. And so I'm I'm basing some things out of Luke chapter three, but wanted you to know that to to keep it a little bit varied, I'm I'm going to take uh, different accounts uh, from Matthew and Mark through the next couple of weeks as well. And, and that's just a, but we're following Luke. So if you're in your personal devotions and you want to read along the, the book of Luke, that's where we'll be kind of basing things out of. But we'll also be taking that roadmap out of other Gospels as well. Matthew chapter 3, um, starting at verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who, um, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had uh, a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey, People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham our father. I tell you that out, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning the chaff with unquenchable fire. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we briefly apply it this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say when it's time to be quiet. I pray that you'd let me be quiet. I pray this in your wonderful name. 
Amen. You may be seated. So just uh, just to kind of give you a heads up, so kind of a background to, to everything is that John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. Remember that, that uh, John is the uh, son of Elizabeth. Now, why is John important here? Uh, if we remember, it was John who was the first one to recognize uh, the, the deity of Jesus. It was John who was the first one to recognize how important Jesus was. And, and you would say, well, well, pastor, where do you find that in scripture? Where does that come from? And it says that, that when Mary, uh, um, met with Elizabeth, um, that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. Who was that? John the Baptist. The, the purpose of John the Baptist, his whole purpose in being was to prepare the way for the Lord. He was to proclaim of his coming. And one, one thing that we have to realize about John the Baptist is that his family background was that he was going to have some kind of priestly purpose. Remember his dad, Zachariah? That, that, uh, <laughs> couldn't speak. Because here's what happens when the Lord tells you to do something and you don't do it, or if He tells you to have an increase of faith and you don't have an increase of faith, He'll just shut you up. <laughs> he'll he'll <laughs> think about that. That was probably Elizabeth's most quiet she's ever had. Those couple of months where He couldn't speak he shall be called John. Remember that? And then and then he was able to speak uh, at, at that. Kind of, kind of a side note from that is that when the Lord tells you to do something, make sure you do it and don't make excuses for it. It's thought, often thought that um, John the Baptist was most likely an Essene. Now, I, I really do think that he was probably in a scene, and a scene is a sect of of Judaism. So we have the Pharisees, we have the Sadducees, we have the Zealots, and then we have the Essenes. And so it's often thought that that he would he would be part of that. And so why is the Essenes so important? The Essenes are important because they are so particular to the detail of everything that the Lord said. They were going to. They were uh, not only did they obey it but they obeyed it in intention and actuality as well. It was their intention to obey the Lord, and then they put it to practice. Uh, but they weren't like the Pharisees who said, okay, these are the rules that we've created to make the purpose, uh, to, to say that we can do it, that, we can, that, that we, we've been able to go forward and, and we've been able to do everything the Lord has said. The scenes actually had kind of the whole thought of, of we do this because we love the Lord. The scenes are also the ones that we give credit to for the Dead Sea Scrolls. Meticulous in writing down Scripture. Meticulous. If, if, there, was, if there was a blemish on the scroll, they'd throw the whole scroll out and start all over, go change their clothes, uh, have a ceremonial bath, change clothes again, and they get back to work and start all over. That's how important it was, the Word of God, to these people. 
And this is who John the Baptist comes from. And so when we see, when we see John the Baptist, we, we, can, we can trust that he's coming with good intentions, that he, he's being obedient, that uh, his calling is being lived out. And so here he is, we find him, and he's preaching in the desert or the wilderness in the middle of Judea, and, and which is kind of a weird place to be preaching, right? Not many people would necessarily be in the desert. Not many people would necessarily go to the desert. But here he was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And, and Scripture calls it a desolate place. Uh, that, and that means that nothing grew there. It was just a big wasteland of nothingness. But here we find John the Baptist, and he's, he's in this, uh, camel's, uh, cl- hair clothing. Uh, he's got a leather belt around his waist, and he's eating crickets, grasshoppers, the, the locusts, and he's eating honey. My mother-in-law, one time she said, well, he had to dip them locusts in honey in order to get them things down. That's why he was eating the honey. And, and I often think that uh, everything that, that he was doing here kind of leads up to his whole purpose. Prepare the way of the Lord. What's significant about camel's hair clothing? Besides, it's got to be itchy. Just think about that. It's got to be itchy and he's in the desert. It symbolizes Lament. Uh, a lot of times, uh, camels here clothing symbolized lament. It also symbolized repentance, that, that you were looking for repentance and you were seeking out repentance. And, and so here we find John the Baptist, he's not only dressed for repentance and dressed in a way that other people would know that he's seeking repentance, uh, it, he is in the desert proclaiming that other people need to find repentance as well. That, that, uh, the scripture says that what he was preaching was uh, repentance, and and then he says he says this a lot, and and he does this on purpose. He says he says the one who comes after me, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals or the straps of his sandals. And he does this to, because people people are wondering. They're saying, "Is this Elijah who is who has come back? And and he's is he the one who's the Messiah? Is he the one who's supposed to save us? Is he the one who who we've been praying for? Is he the hope?" And and what what John he just comes out and says it. I am not the hope. I am not even worthy. Even in this message that I'm preaching, I'm not even worthy to pick up the shoes of the one who is to come. It's interesting that in the next little section, Jesus, he, you know, John's baptizing people in, in the Jordan River, and we see Jesus... Uh, Verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water, and at that moment heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. John knew his purpose and he knew his place. He knew that he was not the, he knew that he was not the Messiah. He knew that his whole purpose was to prepare the way for the Messiah. He knew that his purpose was to preach that repentance is coming, that, that there will be opportunities, uh, ahead. And, and he was preaching that, uh, that, that, um, uh, he recognized it. If you notice that he recognized it. It's not I who need to be baptizing you, but it's you who need to be baptizing me. John knew that he was not the source of forgiveness, but he was to point people toward the source of forgiveness. This morning, several observations from from the passage this morning. And the first observation is this, is that the fruit of repentance is expected for believers. The fruit of repentance is expected for believers. Uh, in the there's a, there's a guy. His name is Gordon Smith, and he writes this book that's very dry and very boring, but he does have some good information in there. And and one of the things that he says, you know, I tend to read a lot of books that are dry and boring. I've kind of noticed that recently that that I say that quite a bit that this is a dry and boring book, and maybe that is the trend. 2023, we're going to read exciting books. Maybe maybe that needs to be the case. So next Sunday, I'll come back and I read this exciting book. I don't know. Scripture's exciting. So Gordon Smith, he writes this book, and, and in this book, he, he, has, he has this thought process that, that he kind of puts out. And his thought process is this, is that churches are full of people who have tried to seek salvation, and they're great followers of Jesus, but they've never sought repentance. And if you think about that, I think that's very interesting because it kind of, kind of in our, our church culture over the last 50, 60 years, one of the things that we found is that it's easy to say the ABCs of salvation, but it's hard to go about real forgiveness. Sometimes it's hard to uh, uh, at an altar for people to say, Lord, I've sinned. They know they've sinned, but it, sometimes it's a little hard to say, Lord, I've, I've sinned and I need forgiveness. And so sometimes I wonder, I wonder sometimes if some of the cycles that we see in our lives are not because... We don't know who Jesus is, but it's because we haven't really sought forgiveness of those things that cause us to be in those cycles. Um, one thing that we have to know is that nothing moves forward without repentance. Nothing moves forward without forgiveness. Uh, fruit of repentance, it's a lifestyle. It's a re- uh, repentance to God. First uh, John um, 2, 1 through 2, uh, uh, we have an advocate with the Father that if we do sin, we can go to Him for forgiveness. Amen? That it's not something that we continually dwell on. We don't have to live in that. But but uh, we we don't plan to sin. But if it happens, if you if you trip up and you if something happens and you do sin, you have an advocate for the with the Father, and you can go and you can ask for forgiveness. Uh, one thing that 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 I found 
uh, over and over again is that sometimes people, they, they get tripped up in life. Uh, we used to go to a, a thing called uh, Celebrate Recovery, and it's the hurts, habits, and hang-ups of life. Uh, that, that sometimes people deal with. And sometimes those things can, uh, will trip you up to the point where you think, well, I've, I've sinned and now I've got to start all over with Jesus from the very beginning. And I think that what that does is I think the enemy uses that in, in a way to say, okay, well, everything that Jesus has done for you up to this point is non-existent. It doesn't mean anything because you've sinned. But what it does mean is that we have an advocate with the Father that when we do sin, we're not trying to sin, we're not purposely sinning, we're not living, we're not intentionally living lives of sin. Romans 6, uh, should we continue to live in sin? So should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Absolutely not. That's biblical there. Absolutely not. But if it happens, we have an advocate with the Father who will forgive us of our sins. We can go to Him. And here's the thing, we don't start all over. We ask for forgiveness and we pick it up and we keep living life for Jesus. We grow. We keep, we keep living it out. And sometimes I think it's detrimental in people's uh, uh, faith that the enemy comes and says, means nothing now. You have just blew it. And in reality, who's the one who is grieving even more than we are? Jesus. Who's the one who cares even more than we do? Jesus. Who's the one who says, I'll forgive you? Jesus. There's, there's a, a lifestyle, lifestyle of repentance there is repentance to others. How can the Lord your God forgive you if you do not forgive those who have trespassed against you? Matthew 6.15 You know, I think... <laughs> I used to use this against people. Will you forgive me? No, I'm not going to forgive you. I've done my part. That's on you now. That's probably not the best attitude toward that. How can the Lord your Father... Here's the thing. It's, it's this overflow that happens in the life of a believer. Uh, so, so God forgives you. You've been forgiven. Now, now you're going to forgive others. Why? Because you weren't worthy of forgiveness. And they may or not be worthy of forgiveness either. But you're going to forgive them because He's forgiven you. And, and if you don't forgive them... It stands in the way of your relationship with Him. You can't move forward. It's a roadblock. One thing that I found is that the Holy Spirit is always usually pretty fast to forgive or, or to, to, to convict us on, hey, you need to forgive that person. I think I've told, I've told this story before maybe. Um... I had a board member at a church pull a gun on me one time. And it was a very traumatic ordeal. I spent some time in some therapy for that. But the, 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 the thing is, is that uh, it, was a tense, it was a tense encounter. 
so several years later, I, I had this hate toward this person. It was just, it, that's really what it was. It was hate. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just kept saying, you need to forgive that person. You need to forgive that person. And I forgave them. Or so I thought. And then one day, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to write them a letter saying that you've forgiven them and ask for forgiveness yourself. That's kind of hard. That's kind of hard to do. I'm not going to do that. You know what I did? I wrote the letter. And then I thought, well, I'm not going to send that letter. That was just for me. And the Holy Spirit, no, put it in the mail. So I sent that letter to that person. Forgiveness of others is freeing. I imagine that guy didn't think anything about me at that point, or, or, you know, since that incident, he probably didn't think anything of me. Went along his day-to-day life. Had no clue. But I did. Repentance of others is important because sometimes the enemy will use that as a stumbling block in our own personal relationship. There's corporate repentance as well that we have to, uh, lifestyle of repentance, and that's repentance as a church. That Do you know sometimes churches are not so nice people and sometimes they need to ask for forgiveness? Uh, <laughs> I... You know, I do I do some consulting on the side sometimes, and and uh, I heard this story uh, a while back that uh, this church was outreaching to uh, uh, their community, and then and then they said we don't want those people in our church. <laughs> specifically, specifically, they said those people mess the pews up. That's what that that was the concern. The people mess the pews up. Well, you know what happened. That church may not make it. There's corporate repentance that has to happen sometimes in the life of church. Now, you may say, well, where do you get that from in Scripture? 2 Chronicles 2.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek forgiveness, I will answer them and I'll heal their land. And then I think there's forgiveness of self. You know, sometimes God has forgiven us of things and the enemy just kind of brings it back and uses it against us over and over and over again. And sometimes I think we have to come to the conclusion that God has forgiven us. We need to forgive ourselves. And that's not always easy at times. But I think it's a process that we have to work through. It's important to forgive ourselves if God has forgiven us. 
The second observation this morning is that personal relationship is needed. If we, if, uh, Jesus desires to have a relationship with us, and it's a personal relationship. It's not based on family. It's not based on. Uh, it's not based on um, uh, mom and dad were a Christian, and so therefore uh, I, I've already inherited salvation through them because they were both sold out believers when I was born, and so therefore. I was born into salvation. That's not how that works. It's a personal relationship. Uh, we used to say uh, uh, people try to ride on, ride into heaven on the coattails of their of their parents, and that's not necessarily the case. That it's a personal relationship. The referral system does not work for heaven. It's not based on lineage. So Abraham or race, it's not based on lineage or race. And so uh, Abraham was just a, um, a vessel being used for the purposes of God. It's not based on status. It's not based on being a prophet or a priest, a teacher, a preacher, or a board member. It's not based on status. It's not based on giving. Well, I give a lot to the church and I give a lot to God, and so therefore, He's got to forgive me because I donated a new educational wing to the church. Well, praise the Lord that happened, but you need forgiveness. You've got to have a personal relationship. It's not based on volunteering. It's not based on acts of good service. It's based on a relationship with Jesus. It's personal. It's based on the fact of who Jesus is and what He has done for you. The third observation that we that we see is that an infilling of the Holy Spirit is needed. Uh, that power comes from the Holy Spirit, and and one thing that we we find, and we've been talking about Acts, and uh, we talked about Acts on um, uh, Wednesday night, and. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And so one thing that we talked about is that that sometimes uh, we, we in, in the holiness movement, we, we have power and we have purity. And so sometimes we, have, we struggle with uh, power and purity. Are we too much purity and not enough power? Or are we too much power and not enough purity? And so uh, one thing that I think that we're called to do that we have to realize is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Uh, in order to go forth and, 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 and be able to um, easily forgive others, to be able to uh, live in a personal relationship, to be able to go deeper with Jesus, is we have to have an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, John, John says, um, I baptize you with water. But He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Acts 2. The fire from heaven fell upon those in the upper room and it did not consume them. Exodus 3. The burning bush was burning and it was not being consumed. It was on fire but it was not being consumed. And the presence of the Lord spoke from it. The presence of the Lord came and rested upon the people in the room. Here's the thing. If you want to know how to get closer to Jesus and you want to know how to to, um, uh, go deeper with Him, you need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
because it's through the infilling of the Holy Spirit that His presence is near. The fourth observation is that there is consequences that occur for unrepentedness. He will clear the threshing floor, but the, the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. The thing that we have to realize this morning is that unrepentedness only leads one place. It leads to hell. It leads to the consequence that happens. It's the separation from God in eternity. The fruit of repentance is expected for believers. A personal relationship is needed. An infilling of the Holy Spirit is needed. And consequences occur for unrepentance. This morning I want to ask you this. Have you sought forgiveness this morning? Have you sought forgiveness of the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with Him? Or are you just faking it till you make it? Is there someone you need to forgive today? This week, I want you to Think about those three things and respond according to how He's called you to respond. Do you need forgiveness? Do you have a relationship with Him or are you faking it till you make it? And is there anyone that you need to forgive?